Welcome to Slaking Thirsts, a podcast that's all about bringing the thirst deep within our hearts for love and communion to the heart of Christ, a divine heart, who is seeking our love and communion in return. The hope is that the two thirsts would meet and both thirsts would be slaked. There are at least three things that I find really surprising about this gospel, probably more, but we'll just stick with three this morning. Three things I find surprising about this gospel that I think we're meant to notice, these oddities, because that's how it goes with these parables that Jesus gives. It's a literary rhetorical device that you see occurring all throughout Jewish, um, the rabbinical tradition. You see it in the Talmud, this collection of uh, teachings and commentaries and the Mishnah, commentaries on the Old Testament the way the rabbis would teach that there would be within these sort of parables, uh, these riddles, a thing, an aspect known as the nimshal, which was like the twist, like the the unexpected, surprising element. That's where you're supposed to notice, and that's where you're supposed to spend time just kind of contemplating and reflecting. All right, so this is what Jesus says. I want to point out these, these three nimshal. He says, be like servants. We are to be like servants who await their master's return from a wedding, ready to open immediately when he comes and knocks. Now, look, I know that, um, at least this is my suspicion, that very few of us, probably none of us, when we go home from Mass, have servants awaiting us in our home. I think that's probably a fair uh, guess. But if you did, if you did, how many of you suppose that you would knock on the door of your own house when you got home? Probably none of us. And this is odd, right? We're meant to notice this. Like in this parable, the master returns to the house and he knocks on the door to be let in. This is deliberate imagery that the reality that Jesus is pointing to in this parable is the reality that the tender compassion of our God, that we hear has broken upon us like the sunrise, the tender compassion of our God, like the Lord has come to not barge down the door of our hearts, but he's come to woo our hearts, that he comes and he knocks. There's a gentlemanliness to our God. There's the patience and kindness of our God who awaits and honors our freedom. He begs of us at all times, open to me, open to me, open to me. He's not looking for slaves. He's looking to to win back his bride. That's what he's doing. He's saying, I'm not going to take your heart by force. I will not drag you into glory. This is an invitation. This is an invitation. Not even the master of your humanity will just barge in to the house of your heart. He knocks and he waits for you to let him in. That's extraordinary. Absolutely extraordinary. Where do we see this in the most powerful way? You see it in the Feast of the Annunciation. You see it in the mystery of the Annunciation that the Creator, the Master of all of creation, came and stood before the womb of the Virgin Mary and knocked and waited to be let into his own creation. That's extraordinary. And it's true of our hearts. Secondly, this. 
What happens when the servants let in their master? Again, not what you'd expect. Not what you'd expect. And it's not what Jesus' listeners would have expected either. Amen, I say to you, he will gird himself and have them recline at table and proceed to wait on them. That's not what masters do. (laughs) That's not the dynamic that obtained in the ancient world. That's not how this works. The lesser serve the greater. The little fish are food for the bigger fish. Christ has come and he's inverted the whole hierarchy. I've come not to be served, but to serve. The biggest fish of all came and he said, feast upon me. It's hard to not notice the connection to the Last Supper, where Jesus, while reclining at supper, arises, removes his garment. It was the church fathers who recognized the beautiful symbolism that the Son of Man arises from his conversation in the Trinity, disrobes himself of all of his divine prerogatives, lowers himself to the feet of humanity, and begins to wash their feet. Right, And it was Simon, Peter, who thinking that he's honoring the Lord, says, Lord, you will never wash my feet. Like, thinking or supposing that that's the right move, to not let the greater serve the lesser. And the Lord says, if I don't wash you, you have no part of me. And of course, Simon, impetuous Simon, will then, like, wash all of me. Like, here's my armpits, here's my hands, right? Wash all of me. It's just so wildly backwards that the way you honor him is to submit to letting him love you. The way that you honor him is to submit to letting him love you. And the third point is this. And should he come in the second or third watch and find them prepared in this way, blessed are those servants. Like the posture of the disciple is not one of like keep busy because he's coming today. The posture of the disciple is one of expectant readiness. Like there was a, there's a story of a monk who was asked, this was during the height of the atomic age, not that we're through the atomic age, but when the threat of nuclear war was uh, really pressing. And someone asked him, brother, if you knew the bombs were going to be dropping today, what would you do different? And he paused and he thought for a moment. He said, nothing. I'd still go to the garden. (laughs) In other words, I would still be faithful to the duty of the moment that the Lord has given me. Like I would still be at work doing the things that the Lord has asked me to do. Because that's where he's waiting for me. That's where he's inviting me to meet him. So friends, the Lord is inviting us to have these hearts that open to him, to be ready to open to him, and to be shocked that when we do open to him, that the story is one of not slaving away on his behalf, but letting love serve you. It's an extraordinary story, but it's our story. Amen.